Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with pastor of Reunion Church in Dallas, Texas, Richard Ellis. He'll take the next few minutes to encourage us with Christmas hope and to challenge us to learn more and grow closer to God's greatest gift, His Son, our Savior, Jesus. It's the 25 Talks of Christmas, a different holiday-themed talk each and every day, all month long. Of course, you can always listen to, download, and share this or any talk anytime from the 25 Talks of Christmas Advent Calendar at richardellistalks.com. So let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Wheels Off. I have a very close friend who has been going through a major trial in his life, and I picked a day to fast for him and for some other things going on, and was about to send him some scripture to encourage him, and had the scripture pulled, and then I thought, you know, I'm going to go read the rest of this. So here's something just to remind you about the Bible. You say, well, I've read the whole Bible cover to cover. Well, I've been reading it for a long time, and I'm still finding stuff I never saw in my life. Right? It's like going back and watching a movie you've seen a bunch of times and go, wait, what? You know, I've seen this movie. So the verse I was going to send him was out of Exodus chapter 14. So if you will go to Exodus 14, you've gone through all the plagues with Moses and Pharaoh back and forth, back and forth. Finally, he's like, you know, you people get out of here. Let my people go. He says, you're free to go. They spoil the Egyptians, take all their loot, and they're out. So verse 1, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Paharoth between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal Zephon, you shall camp before it by the sea. Okay, so you're going to go down by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land, the wilderness has closed them in. Like he's going to think, once this thing turns, you have been led down here and you are trapped. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. Now, without going any further, let me just say this. It is possible that God has led you and is setting you up for his glory and you think you're trapped and it's on purpose and there's no way through or out or it's not going to happen. And then a great little phrase in verse 4, and they did so. This is where we get in trouble. God tells you what to do, tells you what to do, and we did not do so, and then we wonder why there's a problem. And they did so. Verse 5, now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? Were we crazy? We let these people go? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Now look at what Pharaoh puts together to go after the people of Israel. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Okay, here we go. We're all good now so far. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pahiroth before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. They look up, see Pharaoh, all his chariots, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. A minute ago, they're bold. 
Isn't it fascinating how we go from bold to, oh my gosh. Verse 11, then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Now, just like that, they turn on him. Is it not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So they're like, oh, we're, we're gonna die. That's it, we're gonna die. We were about to be led out of here to the promised land, but now we're gonna die. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. And these are the verses I was gonna send to my friend. Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And that probably means, too, they didn't make heaven. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now, I need these verses. The man I sent them to needed these verses. And if you think about who this is, the Egyptians are chasing down. It's not an army. It's a bunch of slaves that have been in captivity for hundreds of years. This is not a fighting people. And here they are trapped. Pharaoh and his chariots, his army behind them, and water trapped between that. Verse 15, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? There is a time to stop harassing God and do what he told you to do. People say, oh, I'll pray about that. Like, dude, you've been praying about that forever. If he gave you an answer, do what he said. Stop praying about it. Oh, he may change his mind. Not likely. Do what he said. Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Now, this is where it starts to get a little weird because you see what you see. I see what I see. I'm like, forward is what? It's see. There's no way this is going to work. So we operate on only what we see. We don't factor in who he is and what he can do. If he says go forward, you go forward, and it's his problem. But lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. Now, do you think Moses has the power to divide a sea? What was his responsibility in the sea being divided? Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand. That's all I told you to do. Well, I'm not going to do that. What if it doesn't happen and I look stupid? You go to lift your rod and go, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not feeling it. I, I got no sea splitting power, personally. He didn't ask him about that. Move forward to the people, to him, lift up your rod, raise your hand, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 19, And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved... And went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud of darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Now, these, you can't read fast through the Bible or you miss this stuff. God's told Moses what to do. And then verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. 
unbelievable verse. He's got all night to think about this. I know what God told me to do. I've seen what he's done. I've seen all the plagues, Trump, all the magicians, everything Egypt had. I've seen what he can do. And here, all he's asked me to do, lift my rod, stretch out my hand. And the next day, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went in the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And this is what I had never seen. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels. What in the world? So God's people are through. They're being pursued. They're afraid, probably. What if they catch up with us? And God looks down, troubles the Egyptians, and starts jacking with their chariot wheels. Now, I don't know how far it is from the throne of God to a chariot wheel, but that's pretty specific took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. We don't have a chance. Now, you say, well, I'm just little old me. I got my challenges. I've got a trial, a tribulation of some kind. I'm in trouble. And all you see is the sea. All you see is what's around you. All you see is what is there. But you don't see God. You don't see his hand troubling your enemies, popping wheels off of chariots. You don't know where he is. You don't know what he's doing behind you, in front of you. And this is why it is impossible to please God without faith, because the whole thing doesn't work without faith, because at some point, you have to stop and say, okay, God, I don't get this. I don't know how lifting a hand can part water. I don't get it. But I got you, and that's all I need. And I trust you, and I know that even if I can't see it, I don't believe it completely, I don't understand it, I know that you're working beyond what I can see and what I can do. And then you're able to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And you say, well, but it's taking a minute. It's coming. You say, well, i got to have all the information. You're not going to have all the information. Even Moses didn't know that he was going to jack with their wheels. And the wheels come off. And now they're in trouble, and they realize God, and I love the fact that it states here that the Egyptians are saying, let us free from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights. Now they're calling him the Lord. And what did he say he would do? They would honor him. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea. Easier the second time, I'm thinking. Stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. 
But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on the left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And if you could just put a period there and that's the end of the story, you'd go, wow, that's great. But what happens if you keep reading? They're whining, complaining, doubting, just like us. So what is God going to have to do for me, to me, in me, through me before I go, okay, 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 I'll stop doubting. I got it. I know who you are. I trust you. And then he allows something to happen and we go, oh, I don't think you're God anymore. I don't like you anymore. I don't trust you anymore because now you're doing things that I don't want or you're taking too long. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to save myself. I'm not going to stand still and wait for you to save me. I'm going to move and go save myself. Acts chapter 16, won't read you the whole deal, but verse 9 And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11, therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women we met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. Now she's possessed, but the demon is calling out what's true. And this she did for many days, following them around. These men are the servants of the most high God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But now these guys are out of business. Because they had been using this woman with this spirit of divination to do all kind of hocus pocus. And that's how they made their money, using her. But her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone. When they saw that, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. Now, I don't think we're here yet, but let me just pause right here. I think it's coming. You preach the gospel, Sooner or later, somebody's not going to be happy. And these people down here are preaching about abortion, gay marriage, you know, that there's only male and female. They're making trouble for our city. We're going to go shut them down. You got to decide who you are before they come get you. You say, well, that sounds easy. You know, nobody's coming to get you. Because your options are either I'm going to back down so they don't come get me or I'm going to be ready if they do come get me, no matter what the consequence. Because if you don't back down and they do come get you and you back down when they come get you, they got you. They got you to deny him, to compromise. They're running the show. Instead of trusting God who is faithful, 
to take care of you. You say, well, what if you get killed for it? It's in the book. What if you get arrested for it? It's in the book. What if you get beaten for it? I'm about to read it. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them, so the wheels come off here for sure, rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. So these guys have been beaten for what? Delivering a girl from a spirit and she was being used by these men to make money, and then the whole town gets whipped into some frenzy and have these guys beaten and put in jail. Having received such a charge, so the jailer now said, you know, secure them, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, I'm not claiming to be this person, and maybe you're not either, but you find out who you are about midnight, locked in a cell, trying to recover from being beaten with rods, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What in the world is that? Not God, why did you let this happen? Why are you doing this to us? Because the Bible talks about being glad, rejoicing when these things happen to you. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open. So the earthquake jars the doors loose, boom, they're open. And everyone's chains were loose. Now look at that word. You know what everyone means? Not just Paul and Silas, everybody. All the doors are open in this prison, everybody's chains. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Nobody left. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Am I living a life that causes people to, at some point, finally just say, what have I got to do to be saved? Who are you? What have you got? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, there's a lot of theological discussion about 31 means. That does not mean because he believed his whole house got saved. You can't believe for your family. If dad believes, it doesn't mean mom and all the kids are saved. What does it say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So they all have to believe personally. You can't get saved for somebody else. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, I kind of like looking at Scripture like through the, the back door or something. So you say, well, what was all this about? Was it about the slave girl? So let's go back to my proverbial, let's say Paul and Silas have a little meeting at Lydia's house and say, okay, guys, just a meeting about today. Here's what's going to happen. Paul's going to have enough of that girl screaming all this stuff. He's going to tell the demon to get out. They're going to be upset. Magistrates, beat them with rods. They're going to beat with rods. This is going to be a really bad day. I'm going to need you to hang in there because I got this family running this prison that needs to get saved. So everybody good? 
One, two, three. <laughs> Break. You don't get to pick. And when you're suffering for Jesus' sake, now, do I want to sign up for getting beaten? I really don't. I'm not interested in that. If that's what God says, okay, that's what I need, or that's going to allow that. But if that happens, you got to be in a place where you go, wow, what an honor. What an honor. I'm being beaten because I won't back down. Man, if you're singing and praying after a whooping, you got something going on. So the story goes on. Verse 34, now when he had brought them into his house, sets them before him, rejoicing, having believed in God with all his household. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the officers saying, let those men go. So I'm presuming that the rest of the prisoners were resecured. And he's saying, let those men go, meaning Paul and Silas. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. And Paul goes, oh, not a chance, brother. Well, wouldn't that be the thing? You're going to be free. Oh, no, no, no. We're not playing that game. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans. Huge mistake in Philippi. They beat these men that were Roman citizens, which is completely illegal, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. What a book. What a God. Who are these people? This is supposed to be passed to me, to us. We're supposed to be these people. Same Jesus, same screwed up planet. And then the story of all stories is the devil gets himself all whipped up and whips up all the Sanhedrin and all the city. One day they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. The next thing they're saying, crucify, crucify. And they think we got this thing wrapped up. They're going to string this guy up. They're going to hang Jesus on a cross. They're going to kill him and it's going to be all over. And you would think that hell would have been smart enough to have read ahead or at least listened to what Jesus said or been aware of what was coming. They thought, done except that God has the power to raise the dead. Raise the dead. Mess with chariot wheels, part seas, bust people out of prison, and raise the dead. And there's no way you become a Christian without getting raised from the dead because the Bible describes you as already dead in your trespasses and sins. If you know that you're in trouble, you don't need me telling you that. And if you know you're lost, you already know that. And if you know anything about God, it's because he has shown up and spoken to your heart and revealed himself to you. And now you got to respond. So this is what you do. You say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I need saving. I believe that Jesus died on that cross, was buried and raised from the dead to rescue me, to offer me eternal life, the forgiveness of my sins. Right now, I accept the gift of eternal life, forgive my sins, move into my physical body, and save me. The biggest miracle of all. Change my heart, change my life, give me a new life, new beginning, like being born a second time, a new person, and help me get in on this life that you intended. Not the life that I have lived and missed out on so much, but the life that you intended. 
Thank you for loving me, being patient with me, and for bringing me to this moment in my life and saving me. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. This program has always been about not only providing daily encouragement, but also daily challenge to help us grow in our faith, to continue being shaped into the person God desires us to be as His hands, feet, and voice to our hurting world. You know, not only is that the mission of the Richard Ellis Talks program, it's also the great commission of Pastor Richard himself to clearly share the simple message of the gospel in a way that leads people to Jesus, to reach everyone together. So these 25 talks of Christmas this month is a creative way for you to reach a friend with some encouraging teaching. We've made it real easy for you to do just that from the website richardellistalks.com. You'll see the Christmas Talks Advent Calendar, where every holiday-themed talk can be listened to, downloaded, or shared right from each day's door. The website is richardellistalks.com. So before we part ways for today, I'll remind you that you can automatically receive a direct text on your phone each and every morning that will link you to the most recent Christmas talk on the website Advent Calendar. Simply text the word Richard to our toll-free phone number, 855-6-RICHARD. That's the word Richard to 855-6-RICHARD. All this month, it's some Christmas words of hope, insight, and encouragement during the holiday season, when perhaps we need to hear the message of Emmanuel above the rest of the seasonal noise. So to automatically receive the daily link, text RICHARD to 855-6-RICHARD you'll have these 25 talks of Christmas whenever and wherever you're ready to listen. So until we get together for the next Christmas talk, thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.